Good morning, friends. I'm taping my message today in uh, my home office uh, since I'll be traveling to Kansas City in just about an hour and a half. This is a continuation of a series that I started last week at First Lutheran Church in Texarkana, Texas. It's a discipleship series, and you can hear the first part of this series on my message site as well, docvmp.sermon.net. But today we're going to talk about climate change. We're going to be looking at Romans 10:17. Now, you've probably heard a lot about the cultural climate in various organizations, such as corporations, sports teams, and churches. Enron, which no longer exists, was infamous for having created a culture of fear, intimidation, greed, abuse through the corporation. It's kind of a cutthroat environment in which everyone was expendable and no one could hope to thrive. At best, you could only hope to survive. Then there are corporations like Costco, who built a reputation on being the kind of company that goes out of its way to create a positive culture for its employees. Now, obviously, I don't work for Costco. I've never even shopped there, but this is the reputation they've earned over the years. You also see the cultural climate at work in professional sports. Some franchises seem to have a knack for winning. Others appear to be addicted to losing. It's not that they don't have talent or opportunity. It's just that the team can't seem to shake history and began taking steps toward building a winning tradition. Though there are many factors involved, culture plays a big part of it. The climate, you might say. Well, the same can be said of churches. Each church has its own unique atmosphere. I've been in churches in which the culture was one of faith and hope and love, filled with a sense of purpose and direction and expectation. And then, unfortunately, I've been in churches filled with an air of apathy and bickering and criticism. A few years ago, a huge church in the Seattle area imploded and ultimately shut its doors, not because of a sex scandal or a money scandal, as is often the case in such situations, but it happened because the ministry culture had become so abusive and mean-spirited and unchristian that it simply could no longer survive. Now, I'm not here today to point my finger at them or at any other church, but we do need to take a look at our own church and challenge ourselves to nurture a Christ-honoring culture there. We need to establish a real climate change in Christ. Another place you see the influence of culture at work is in your own personal daily life. You have created a cultural climate for yourself that influences virtually every aspect of your life, the way you think and talk and act, the way you view the world, the way you relate to others, the way you approach the future, and the way you deal with the stresses of today. Most people's life culture is just a reflection of the culture they live in. They tend to mirror the actions and attitudes being modeled around them. If you're in an uplifting environment surrounded by uplifting people, this is good. But if you're in a toxic environment surrounded by negative and self-serving people, it can make you downright miserable. For this reason, we need to take control of the cultural climate we create for ourselves. We need to make sure that we have established for ourselves an environment that's conducive to a life of continual spiritual growth. This has something to do with your external world, so you should take care as much as possible to put yourself in the right kinds of situations surrounded by the right kind of people. However, the cultural climate of your life has more to do with your internal world, your thoughts, your feelings, your words, and even your actions. It's about experiencing a growth-centered life, which begins with creating a growth-focused environment for yourself. When I first began 
working on this series, I was thinking about the steps that we need to take in order to grow in faith. And I started thinking about this idea of living in a faith-filled environment, hearing and seeing and thinking and saying and doing things that promote a life of faith. As I continued to work on this series, I realized that these principles apply to more than just faith. They apply to every aspect of the Christian life, every aspect of the life you want to live. To experience growth, you need to nurture those things that you want to grow, and you need to weed out those things that hinder growth. That's why the book Radical by David Platt made such a huge impact on me, and that's why on my desk this morning I've got a little 3 by 5 card that reminds me to pray for the entire world, to read through the entire word every year, to sacrifice my money for a specific mission purpose, and to spend my time in another context but also to commit my life to a multiplying community. And by multiplying community, I would say that's one that has a solid, biblical, Christ-filled culture. It's a place where you can live the something more life that I talked about last week. And the something more life we're talking about can be thought of this way. Your life is like a garden, and you need to tend it with care. In order for plants to grow, they need the right amount of light, climate, atmosphere, nutrition, and care. I mean, your life, particularly your spiritual life, is, is much the same. In order for you to grow, you need to create the right atmosphere, the right climate, the right environment, the right culture for yourself. And I'm not talking about your external surroundings. I'm talking primarily about your inner life, your spiritual life, the one you received when the Spirit touched your heart and you became a child of God. Now, in the first message, we looked at the something more life, hoping, knowing, believing, and expecting that this isn't all there is to life. I mean, your thirst can only be quenched through the presence of God in your life. I'm talking about a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, today you may be lost and alone, wandering through a desert desperate and thirsty, but you don't have to live in the desert forever. Jesus, as Psalm 23 talks about, wants to lead you to green pastures and the still waters of his presence. Now, today, I've just called this message climate change. We're going to talk about what you hear influences who you become. And I'm using the word hear in kind of quotations because it it refers to every kind of outside input. In quote, uh, what you listen to, what you read, what you watch, what you give your attention to. In In other words, everything that goes into your brain could be considered, in this context, what you hear. And what you hear, what you pay attention to, has a great, a tremendous influence on who you become. Back in the early days of the computer, and in this case by early, <clears throat> I mean somewhere back in the 1980s, there was a term that programmers would often use, uh, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. This means that the quality of code you put into a program, or the quality of information that you put into a program, determines that quality of your output. <clears throat> took a long time for that concept to catch on because people tend to think that computers are kind of magic boxes. In fact, there's a great quote by Charles Babbage, the 19th century mathematician who was the first to develop the idea of a programmable computer. In one of his writings, he said that he'd been asked more than once by otherwise intelligent people that if you put the wrong figures into a computer machine, will the right answer still come out? His response was this, quote, I'm not able rightly to apprehend the kind of confusion of ideas that could provoke such a question, end quote. In other words, of course not. 
what comes out of a computer program will always be determined by what goes into it. And I think about that every time I sit down and write a sermon. I mean, the same can be said about your mind, your spiritual life. What you're constantly stuffing between your ears will ultimately influence the way you think, the way you talk, the way you act. That's why the Apostle Paul said in Romans 10:17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more you hear God's word, and I'm talking about listening and reading and watching and meditating it and memorizing it, the more you hear God's word, the more your faith will grow. Later in this series, I'm going to talk a little bit about controlling your thought life. But today I want to just talk specifically about taking ownership of what goes into your mind in terms of what you hear, what you see, what you read. I'm going to talk about three things that you need to do in order to create this climate change, a climate of spiritual growth in your life. I mean, that's why this is basically just a discipleship series. Now, first of all, just be aware of what is influencing you. To say that the things you see, hear, watch, read, or listen to have no influence on you is to deceive yourself because some of these things do influence what you become. And the key word is some. Not everything you hear will shape what you are, but some things will. You need to be aware of how and to what extent you're being influenced. I'll give you an example. I, I like to watch, you know, the old-time westerns, the old cowboy movies. Now, it, in those cowboy movies, you often encounter gunplay. It's not uncommon that the characters in these movies will decide to resolve their differences with a fast draw, usually on Main Street at high noon in front of a local saloon. Now, as many westerns as I've watched in my life, and as many conflicts as I had with other people, the thought has never crossed my mind that maybe we should settle this argument with bullets, you know, high noon out in front of the church. I mean, my love of Westerns doesn't really influence my behavior in that sense. On the other hand, there have been many times when I've realized that my worldview is being influenced by the movies I watch, the music I listen to, the books that I read, the television programs I watch in a subtler and more insidious way. I mean, have you ever watched a movie or a TV show about rich people, for example, a uh, that communicates the idea that real happiness comes from material possessions? And have you ever found yourself feeling like you had somehow missed out on the best parts of life because you didn't build your world around the pursuit of wealth? I mean, have you ever watched a movie whose message was ultimately that revenge is sweet or that life is meaningless or that moral absolutes don't exist or that it's okay to ridicule certain people or that sin is no big deal? I mean, have you ever watched a movie that influenced you to be less committed to knowing the truth and doing what you know is right? I remember someone saying once, uh, people will watch violent films and never resort to violence. But when they watch David Letterman, they think it's okay to mock and ridicule others. I mean, which is more dangerous? Now, today, if you want to use that example, you could insert the name of any number of other comedians or public personalities who have built their career on mockery and condescension. I mean, one only needs to pay attention to what's going on in our, the political climate of our country these days. Here's what I'm saying. It's up to you to take the responsible step of evaluating what you hear, what you read, what you watch, and recognizing how much influence it has on your life. Now, we can't just withdraw ourselves from the world. I mean, no TV, no music, no books, no Internet. That's really kind of not realistic. We can't become Amish, although sometimes I think I'd like to if they'd have me. I mean, I've got a beard already. I mean, instead, when it comes to what we hear, we need to be discerning. What's the message that this particular media is trying to send, and am I willing to buy into it? We should do this 
uh, not only with music and movies and TV shows and books. We should do it with when we watch the news. We ought to ask ourselves, am I getting the whole story here, or am I just being presented with someone's agenda? This kind of discernment means that you'll be a lot slower in jumping to conclusions whenever you hear a news report. It means that you'll be a lot less likely to have your worldview shaped by someone who makes their living off of getting you to click a link. When it comes to evaluating influences, we need to be most discerning when it comes to what those around us are saying. There are people whose aim is to speak nothing but negativity to anyone who will listen. This is so deeply entrenched in a gloom and doom worldview that there is no room in their conversation for faith. There's no room in their conversation for hope. Everything they say is critical and condescending. They're not focused on loving God and loving others. <clears throat> their main focus is on telling you how they're right and everyone else is wrong. Now, we all have those kinds of people in our lives. So we need to ask ourselves, how much am I willing to let this person influence me? So the first step in building this climate of culture, spiritual uh, growth in your inner world is to practice discernment, recognizing and choosing who you will allow to influence your life. The second thing I would tell you is to eliminate the worst offenders. For example, there's some TV shows that I used to enjoy watching that I no longer watch because at some point I just realized that there's nothing uplifting about this program and it's really not serving any good purpose in my life. There are also certain musical artists that I used to listen to all the time, and today I no longer listen to them, because at some point I realize that there's nothing uplifting about their music. There are certain news personalities that I won't watch, certain columnists I won't read, simply because over the years I've recognized that what they're saying is so inflammatory and inaccurate that I will no longer pay attention. I won't give them my attention. King David said in Psalm 101, verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. This means that we need to be selective, and I say ruthlessly selective in what we hear, what we watch, and what we read. It also means that we need to be selective with whom we choose to associate. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15:33, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. There are some people you just plain simple need to learn to ignore. Maybe you can't avoid being around them, but you don't have to let them influence you. If you want to create a climate of spiritual growth in your life, eliminate the worst offenders, those voices that tend to drag you down and discourage you from being a faithful servant of Jesus the Christ. The third thing I would tell you is this. Build your day around uplifting content. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you do? Well, you can turn on the television, I suppose, and listen to the morning news so that you can hear the newest outrageous thing either the presidential candidates might have said or done. Or you can hop on Facebook and see what people are complaining about out there. Or you could probably turn on the radio and listen to some morning DJ laugh at his or her own jokes. Or, while you're making coffee or making yourself a bowl of cereal, you can put on some uplifting Christian music that draws you into the presence of God. And then you can sit in your favorite chair and sip that second cup of coffee or, like I do, grab something at Starbucks and do my morning devotions. Read from the Bible, say your morning prayers so that your day can start moving in the right direction. And then on the way to work, you can listen to an uplifting, let's say, audio book or the Bible on CD. And at lunchtime, if you happen to lunch alone, you can spend that time reading or something or listening to something that strengthens you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. And at the end of the day, when work and activities are done and ready 
you're ready to zone out in front of the television, you can zone out to something good. Because, quite honestly, we have more uplifting options today than we've ever had before. Now, I'm not saying that you can never watch a sitcom or an action movie. I am saying that when you build your day around uplifting content, <clears throat> you're creating an environment in your spiritual life, a climate change that will yield tremendous results over the long haul. King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said in Proverbs 15:14. The wise person is hungry for knowledge, while the fool feeds on trash. Now, people who are on the road a lot often eat in restaurants and don't always get to choose the restaurant. <clears throat> and as you know, restaurant food isn't always conducive to good health. There's something about traveling and eating out that don't always mix well. So you've got to be in the habit of looking at the menu and looking at the buffet and asking yourself, what are my best options here? And if you learn to take the best option first, then you don't have nearly as much room for the worst options. Today, I'm, I'm going to encourage you to do the same thing with your mental diet. As you consider what to read or what to watch or what to listen to or who to talk to, ask yourself, what are my best options here? What will build me up spiritually? What will draw me closer to Jesus? What will lead me in the direction of spiritual growth? Abraham Lincoln once said, Who writes the nation's songs shapes the nation's souls. That's because the songs that we sing again and again, the ones we know by heart, seep into our subconscious and shape what we think, what we believe, and what we become. Today, the same could be said not only for the songs that we sing, but for the films we watch, the programs we tune into, the books we read, the websites we visit, and the conversations we take part in. You are surrounded by this tremendous wall of sound. And what you listen to defines the cultural values of your inner world, of your spiritual life. Friends, today's message, then, is just a challenge to define your own culture, to create an environment in all that you hear that moves you in God's direction. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So let's join together in determining to hear God's Word at every turn. Throughout the day, as you decide what you will watch or read or listen to, Ask yourself, what are my best options? Build your day then around content that will draw you closer to him. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.